0: My, my parents yeah, fake cool. uh, him. How did you gonna be as equal to telling as me? Are you serious? As easy as I beat him? I could beat him while playing chuckles on the other side. That's how easy <laughs> that was. And he's better than us. Are you serious, James? Hold bank Blank name is uh well known. What's that? You smile? It's like fear. Right, listen. Hmm. If you if you wanna sort it out, find me. You didn't find me. You could have fought me and you didn't. If you wanna find me, here I am. Let's have a fight. Let's do all the cobbles if you want Forget boxing. Let's do it outside. Oh uh, no no no! We gotta talk to Al. Top Rank got some shit going on. Matter of fact, boxing on some what bullshit The the UK fans, they they love the fights. They also love the production. They love, they love to applaud and moan the talent. So Sky, let us know what they want to do in boxing now. The the post-Hearn era begins, and we now have a better handle of what to expect. Right and. All some of those speculation. What approach would they take? Would it be this? Would it be that? We. I think my hypothesis was correct. You were always going to get the kind of people who had a big name on Matchroom slash Sky, but never really got their opportunity to shine. So when Eddie went to the zone, it created that vacuum where you'd imagine, you know, the sort of mid card talents. That's what I'd call them, right? Mid card talents would would look at Sky and say, I quite like the platform and I quite like the marketability that comes with Sky as opposed to the guaranteed income that comes with Zone, right? And so when we saw the Sky press release that announced the the fighter list and the schedule, I felt I was happy because it wasn't a complete screw-up. So we give thanks for that. But it also didn't have the sort of jack-in-the-box name I was hoping for. So at that point, I was hoping someone was going to say, yeah, we've re-signed Joshua to another three years. That would have blown my mind. But having said that, the stable looks solid. And I don't know if it's just that Eddie and Frank have done such a good job of lowering my expectations that I was happy with what I saw. Or if objectively, this is just as good as boxing gets in the United Kingdom now this is just where we are but above el- above everything else the thing I took joy over was I didn't have to sit there through a you know I mean a videographer and promoter talking for an hour about stuff I don't care about 90% of which wasn't even true I just got a good corporate announcement I got some social media activity and I got to share my opinion I really enjoyed that I've got to look forward to a couple of shows. I think the October 2nd show looks good. By the way, if anyone is going to the show on October 2nd, tweet me, let me know, Instagram me, whatever. It would be good if we could just get a group of people together on a Saturday, you know, before the fight, have a few beers. Everyone gets to know each other. We just go and watch the fight. We may all end up in different seats, but so what? It would be good to just meet up because I think sometimes, you know, people know this. We go to fights on our own. And we don't get a chance to move in that group. That kind of gives you a bit more of a buzz, a bit more energy. So if you are going on October 2nd, by all means, let me know. And then let's see if we can get something organized. So for now, let's just zero in on kind of the the boxer-related side of things. I want to come on to the Sky side later. But let's just focus on the the boxer side of things. So everything kicks off October 2nd, which I now understand because I heard Steve Goodwin have a good old moan about you know, the board's regulations and how they're doing it all wrong. So, you know, if October's when it needs to start, October's when it needs to start. Things I'm excited about, seeing Chris Eubank Jr. again, I still think he's the I'd say he's the second biggest star in British boxing. And it's not that much difference between him and Anthony Joshua. So he's fighting a German guy. No idea. Sven is it Sven Iber? <laughs> I'm not I'm not even gonna go into box track for that. I'm just there to see Chris do some damage to someone and put a smile on my face. We've got David Avenesian defending his European title. Is he defending it? I think he is. Against Liam Taylor. Once again, not particularly bothered with Liam Taylor. No disrespect to him, but you know this is an Avanessian moment. So I'd like to see him start making noises about Conor Ben. And see what happens from there. Because if Conor wants to be a world champion, Avanesian's the kind of guy he's got to be able to deal with. And then... Maybe one of the happiest stories of this whole boxer sort of tournament is the return of Richard Riaquipo. I can't tell you when he last fought. It's got to be two years now. And I think Richard's had injuries. He's had other things get in the way. There's been politics, this, that and the third. So now he gets a platform again. And... You know, he's got to be touching 30 or just over 30 now. So he's got to start making tracks. But uh, when you hit as hard as he does, and you're as dedicated as he is, I don't think you miss a step. So I'd like to see him get in and amongst the mix again, build himself up to a world title. I don't think the Ocoli fight is too far away. But they're the kind of fights I think as British fans we want. And if Ben Shalom is serious about being fighter first, then... These are the noises we need to start hearing pretty soon, right? And then another guy who makes me incredibly happy, uh, Mikel Lawal. So i will be glad to see him fight Stephen Ward. God, Stephen Ward is brave because Mikel Lawal is a big, solid cruiserweight. And Stephen's just come up from from light heavy, to be honest. But if you look at Mikel Lowell, I have 13 fights. And I can remember him from Groves v. Eubank. So I went there with... With Winnie. If you know who Winnie is, then you understand. And so the bit we were sat at kicked off. And I remember having to pull her away from there just to make sure she was safe. So we ended up stood next to Mikel while and his team. And we just had a little chat. Like, I don't know him that well. I'm sure he's run past me a few times when he's doing his road work. But I've always loved the fact that he's just got on with it in silence. And the guys at Stonebridge have looked after him really well. And he's... You know when they talk about good, honest, solid pros? He's one of those guys. He did the the Giacomo adverts he did. So he's a man of many talents, but very understated with it. But my goodness, he can hit. I was talking to JP about sparring with him, and JP was telling me, yeah, he's the real deal. Like, you know, if you're not on your game, you're going to get hurt. So I'd like to see him get a run. I think put him in the mix with guys like Tommy McCarthy, Billum Smith, um, just those kind of guys who are under six foot four. Put put him in with those sorts of guys, he'll give you entertaining fights. He's not there to run around the perimeter of the ring. He is there to cause havoc. So I think that first card looks good. And like I said, I think it's one of those where if we want to make a stand, and, and we made a stand against what Hearn was doing, and we we said we wanted change, and this is the change we've got. If we were serious about that change, we have to support this show. You mean you have to make this show a success because otherwise what happens? Eddie goes and ah, they can't do anything without me. So all the people who said Hearn was fleecing them and cheating them, you have to help make this a success. Otherwise, Hearn still wins. If we fast forward to October 16th up in Newcastle, you've got Huey Fury v Christian Hammer. You've got Savannah Marshall defending her WBO title. And can't for the life of me remember who she's facing. This is all relatively fresh, so bear with me. But you're also seeing Lewis Ritson on there. and You're seeing, I think they're going to shine a light on a few, other, a few other prospects. And I feel for Huey and Savannah because that was one of those examples of Eddie Hearn screwing people over. right? And I don't think the story is a secret. Eddie wanted to sign Savannah so he could make the Clarissa Shields fight. But as part of that, like Huey was like a make weight in the deal. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. It was almost like they had nothing that they could really do with Huey. But Huey was well positioned with the governing body. So he was a useful heavyweight to have around. And so you hit the problem of the Shields fight wouldn't happen because, as I said, Hearn's been frozen out of America. So now Savannah's left just kicking her heels going, this fight will never happen. To the point where I know Peter was disaffected with the whole situation. And I think the Sky thing came at the right time for him. And I wish Huey all the best. My only concern, I repeat, only concern with Huey is whether the cut will open up in every fight. Because if it does, then is it worth carrying on? I don't know. But if Huey can stay cut free, I'd like to see how far he can go when he's the main heavyweight on the roster. You know, and currently he is until Joshua signs, but even then, they're in different leagues at the moment. You know, Maybe this is an opportunity for a Huey Fury v Tony Yoka fight, you know, if we're going to think that far ahead. Because I think, isn't Yoka signed with Aram? So that would be a good fight. And once again, that would be Sky delivering for the fans. So the real test will come probably early next year to see how fan-friendly you know Sky intend to be with their choice of fights. But I think those first two fights for me, I'm not not excessively high, but I'm not negative. I'm like, okay, if if this is your start point, I'm okay as long as it only goes up from here. But I think what you see from that, and we'll talk about the roster in a second, is you can see a lot of work has gone in behind the scenes from guys like Johnny Wish and so forth. I can't say the more experienced boxing heads are... Your Ben Shaloms and your tom Dallass they're great human beings they're great people, interesting characters, but Johnny Wish is Johnny Wish, so he's the guy who has to do those sorts of conversations behind the scenes to convince people to come to sky and just looking at that roster, Sky might just be the place to be, but dot 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 dot, dot it depends on who you are exactly so let's just take a look at the roster. I want to start from the the big guys and work down so. Based on the list, there are three heavyweights, right? You've got Huey Fury, you've got Steven Robinson, and you've got Nick Campbell. So Huey, do I need to say much more? You know, I think Huey's got a lot to prove because there's a lot of talent there, but we need to we need to see it now. I don't think we can talk about him being a young boy anymore and he's still learning and look at all the hard fights he's been in. He has to have a three-year run where he shows us what he's capable of. I think he can do it. I think he's trained by the best person to get the best out of him, so kudos to Peter. But this is the time for it to happen. If it doesn't happen now, then, you know, go on on the road of being a gatekeeper. It's fine. Stephen Robinson's interesting. Six foot seven looks the part. Be absolutely clear about this. If you're going to market someone, you're going to market... Stephen Robinson. And all you do when you see a kid like that is you just go, I really, really hope he can fight. I really hope he can fight and I hope his chin holds up. Like, you can't say anything negative because when you see a kid like him, six foot seven, looks like he should be in a superhero film. You know, we can talk about technical stuff. No, no, no. The only thing I can say in terms of benchmarking him is... He fought a kid called Jamie Shakiva and he lost. And Jamie's a nightmare for everyone because Jamie just likes, he likes it in close. It's, it's all hooks and uppercuts and Jamie, you know, it can be a hard day at the office. So he lost to him in the Ams. So that kind of benchmarks him for me. And I think if I were Ben Shalom, if I were Johnny Wish, I'd be having a good look at Jamie Shakiva. As long as he can keep his weight down, he's a nightmare. He's the, how do I say it respectfully? He's the modern day Chisora for me. You know, a guy who, he's not going to be running around the outside of the ring, popping the jab. He's coming after you and he's strong and he'll bully you and he'll maul you and anytime you give him any bit of space, it's a left hook to the head, left hook to the body, right uppercut. Insanely good at that. So we need to see what he does. I think for me, I'll class him as unproven. Nick Campbell's different. Um, Nick's been a professional rugby player with Glasgow, and I know he played for the Jersey Reds. And I've played against the Jersey Reds, so that's a really high standard. Like he's a he's a good athlete, and the years of rugby will they'll give you a different kind of conditioning. You know, you've already, you know, if you've played rugby for all those years, you've already done your road work. so you know you've got conditioning in your legs. So he should be all good for that. The question is, at 30 or 31, I think that's the age he's at, can he be accelerated? Because he fought one of the guys I trained, Courtney Bennett. And Courtney beat him. They say it was a split decision. I think it was like 4-1 or something. But it was an easy day for Courtney. Courtney probably took him lightly, but still managed to squeeze out the result. So when I benchmark him there, I look and I go... He could still do it because, like I say, the difference between the Ams and the Pros is this. Have you got the mental toughness to go beyond three rounds, five rounds, eight rounds, ten rounds? If you've played eight minutes of rugby, you know what it's like to carry on for 20 minutes when your lungs are burning. So there's a lot of upside to him. I think there's three big guys. I think Nick might be 6'8", Huey 6'6", Steve Robinson 6'7". They're big guys. You know, like when you like your heavyweights big... They're big guys and don't forget we're gonna talk about them in a second at Cruiserweight, Richard Riakpo. This is a big roster. You know, and if you're a boxing fan, it's exciting. And I always just come back to this when I see guys like this. I don't wish him any negativity. I always say, I just want you to be able to fight because I wanna get behind you and I want there to be fight after fight where I'm entertained. So if we look at the cruiserweight who have we got, we got Richard Riakpo. British level easily. Maybe even better than that. He he probably should have a British title around his waist. He should have a European title, a Commonwealth title. And he should be ranked mandatory in one of the world titles. He's just had an unfortunate two years. But Rich has got the power to do that. You know, working with Angel, I'm led to believe that the the boxing fundamentals are now there. So we give thanks for that, more importantly. And I really, really hope that he comes good as well. You know, I put him in that Huey Fury camp of... This is their time. You've got to have three years now where you become a threat, you become a monster. And that's what I'm looking forward to the most when it comes to Richard Paul. Mikel Lowell, got all the time in the world for him. If you're going to bet on someone to steal the night in a fight, always bet on Mikel Lowell. Chin's good, power's incredible, and he can box. You know, being a Stonebridge is good because you get to spend time with Tox. And one thing I like about Tox is he's old school. But my goodness does a man know his boxing. So you're surrounded by really good boxing minds at Stonebridge. There's no question about that. So Mikhail Lowell's in prime position, and I guess his is a reward for staying close to the people who who kind of helped him get this far, and also for his performances on Ultimate Boxer. This is the reward, so kudos to him too. And then the third one's more interesting, Scott Forrest. So up until a month ago, I swear Scott Forrest was still training at Team GB, and he would have been in pole position to do the Commonwealth Games, right? because I don't know if Siobhan Clark's going to carry on. it doesn't seem like he is, so that opens up a slot. I'm surprised he didn't carry on, but then I guess if you're offered this opportunity, you take it um, much like Stephen Robinson looks the part. Scott Forrest legit looks the part now, he can fight. Just that, in a lot of ways, he's like Mikel Lawal. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, one, two, move, one, two, move. He's going to be a guy that comes to fight, comes to entertain. And he's got, I don't want to say disrespectfully because I respect both guys. He's got Steven Simmons vibes about him. Except I think in the modern GB setup, I just think you get a better education than those guys did back then. But I have to give Simmons' tip for being a damn good amateur in his time. Like, he was part of the the infamous 2008 Bad Boy crew with Billy Joe Saunders. So, at Cruiserweight, those are all guys who should be able to cause problems. And I'm, like I said, I want Scott Forrest to be able to be a good pro fighter. So, I'm hoping that he's got the goods as well. Seems to be made of tough stuff. So, Heavy and Cruiser, I'm I'm broadly happy with because it opens opportunities. Like I said, with Huey around the Yoker, a cruiser Richard Riakpour, and a Coley could come together. Mikhail Lual and Isaac Chamberlain could make sense. You know, so all those fights should be on the table. Now, I definitely think they dropped the ball a bit at light heavyweight because we're stacked in terms of light heavyweight talent in the United Kingdom right now. We're stacked, and Boxer didn't seem to, to have anyone on the roster from what I saw. And looking at that standard of Boxer, they're signing Andre Sterling wouldn't look out of place there. And I say that with all due respect to everyone else involved, but he wouldn't look out of place. Is Andre Sterling any worse or any less talented than Linus Adofia? No. Brad Paul's no. So what's the criteria for being a televised fighter? And I think not that those guys were lucky. I think Linus and Brad deserve what they've got. What I do think is Andre's overlooked. I also think Dan Aziz is unlucky not to be on a platform like that. And there are a few others at Light Heavy who who have shown what they're capable of and deserve, you know, who, who would deserve that because they've entertained. Yeah. So I think 175, you know, Light Heavy being a classic weight and it being internationally interesting at the moment, I think maybe they'll look to to plug that gap at some point. I'm not saying Andre Sterling versus Baturbi, although he would take that fight in a heartbeat, just for the record. But I will tell you where I am incredibly happy, though. Jermaine Brown is now a televised fighter at super middleweight. And I imagine the clincher was the fact that he had the stones, the wherewithal, along with Adam Martin, to go over to, was it Belarus or Russia? I forget. To fight Dmitry Chudinov. I think I said at the time, that sort of fight makes you marketable. Because no one's going to bother about how old Chudinov was. They'll always just say, this is the guy that, that dropped Chudinov and beat him puts you, you know, because people remember the Tudinov name and they'll remember the, the bullioni performances and so forth. So you're, you're tied in with that already, which is good. So I'm happy for him. And you know, I remember him in 2016 and it was him, Jermaine Williams and Zach Chelly, all having to fight for one place to get not out of the London divs, by the way, to get out of Fitzroy Lodge because all three of them went in and, you know, normally you pick a guy from your gym, right? And, you know, for whatever reason, all three were allowed to compete. They all weighed in together. So imagine you're trying to train together and it's not working. And you got to remember, Zach was the last one in. Those other guys have been loyal to the club. So it was, it made for a very interesting time. But what it did is it denied Jermaine the opportunity to, to prove himself in the ABAs. I felt for him. And then afterwards they had the split between London boxing and so forth. And so it just wasn't conducive to to trying again. And so he went the pro route. And he's, he's dirt-tracked. He's grafted him and Adam. And I know there were times where Adam was like, I don't understand how we're not getting a chance. And all Adam did was stay consistent. Adam Martin, this is. Stayed consistent. Stayed grafting. And got an opportunity for his man. Now... What I hope with Jermaine is now that he's a televised fighter, he's going to focus on becoming a star. Like, if, if I'm advising Jermaine, which I don't, I like to just say hello to him, catch up, and we have a laugh and a joke. But if I was advising Jermaine, right now I'd be saying, I want to be the star on this platform. And I'd be action planning it, you know. I'd be ringing up someone like Jordan Foster. Shout out to Jordan Foster. Sent me some amazing voice notes the other day. And... They were so illuminating. Boxing really lost out on a good one when he decided to go and do football. But when you've got the clients that he's got at the moment, I don't think he misses boxing much. But I am delighted for Jermaine Brown because finally, the country will get to see what we all know, that this guy at super middleweight is a massive problem. And I think this makes the Zach Chelly fight a lot easier to make. And that's what we'd like to see. So hopefully Jermaine becomes the money man in, in the division from a British perspective. That's what I'm looking forward to. So at middleweight, we've got the main man, Chris Eubank Jr. Um, like I said, I think the man's a star. I don't think he puts a foot wrong anywhere. Social media crushes it in the ring, crushes it on TV, crushes it, as Connor would say. There are no weak links in his arm, and I think he's the right person to build a franchise around because you know there's no negative publicity around him. And I think he's a solid captain for the team. Um, you've got Brad Rear, um, from, from what I understand from my contacts up north. mean, does the northwestern circuit, does his thing up there. I know he's going to win over Lee Cutler. Shouts out to Lee. Uh, not Not amazing as an amateur, unlike Mark Dickinson, who was. And in another life, Mark Dickinson probably represents GB at 75, though we didn't send a 75-kilo kid to the Olympics. People say, oh, well, the standard wasn't that high. And it's not necessarily that. It's more those seats were occupied by Ben Whittaker and Jordan Reynolds for so long that a lot of these guys lost heart because of the politics. But Dickinson's from Berkeley, so you know what you're getting. You're getting solid fundamentals. But if you take, and it depends on who you look at it, right? The Bertley guys don't seem to go far in the pros. So look at what's his name, um, Dean Lang, who had all the, all the glitz and glamour you want in an amateur career, but in the pros just couldn't quite do it. So Mark Dickinson is a tall middleweight. Will have to show that he's got that that resilience and fortitude. But why can't he do it? I'm I'm remaining optimistic that all these guys can do it. And then we've got the ladies, haven't we? We've got Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields. And I say it's so ironic that. We waited how long for that fight? And Sky have just said, we'll make it happen. It shouldn't be too hard. So kudos to Sky for getting these two on the same platform. I'd love to see them fight on the same night. Build that up. You know, Croesus Shields in the United Kingdom. That would be a moment. Let's not pretend otherwise. And I hope they fight next year. Let's just get it done now. Like it's been dragging on for too long. Let the two fight. Hopefully it's epic and they fight again. And I think that's the fight that will transform female boxing. Because it's two legit talents, two tough women, two strong women going at it. And I don't think either of them is trying to run around and avoid the other. So I'm looking forward to that one. I pray to God that happens pretty soon. If you drop down to 154, it's Joe Pigford, who kind of disappeared after the Aaron Morgan fight. Now, I don't say that disrespectfully. Because all these guys like Kieran Conway, etc., who I don't think are better than Joe Pickford, by the way, but they seem to get a profile and they seem to get exposure while Joe was kind of, you know, eking out his boxing career. But now that he's televised, it'd be good to see where you, where you put him. I don't think he'd be out, out of his depth against people like Kieran Conway. Uh, maybe he'd give Fowler a hard time, give Ted a hard time. I think we'll find out more by the end of this year in terms of where he's at. I'm just going to fly through the rest of it just because, no disrespect, but it's just a load of little people really, isn't it? But you've got, I think, I never know if it's the Azeem brothers, I think they're brothers, right? And you've got them, Pinewood Stars, stars in the amateurs, all kinds of European medals, like super, super talented, like crazy talented, skillful, fast. Comes down to Terry's test, is the body resilient enough to be a pro and does the chin hold up? They're the two tests whenever you see a prospect and they look good in the amateurs. Will their body hold up to the rigors of pro-life? You can normally tell by the size of the bones. Yeah, it's not about the muscles. It's about the size of the bones and the skeleton. You know, I, I said, I've said it numerous times about guys like Spider Richards. Just look at his wrists and forearms and you know that his hands aren't going to break. Um, who else have we got? We've got Lewis Ritson. You needed some name brand value, I guess to to anchor your proposition and Ritson's got that. I hope they don't try and push him for world titles. I just like to see him in entertaining fights. More for his own health than anything else, if I'm being honest. And then the two names I wanted to zero in on were Caroline Dubois and Ebony Jones. So Caroline Dubois I'm surprised she didn't wait another three years for Paris. Just my opinion Unless well I can offer theories as to why she's turned pro, but I'd rather not. Maybe she realized that the Olympics, the amateur thing wasn't for her and she wants to be a star and I'd be good. And I think from a Sky perspective, you have her as a Trojan horse, right? You treat her well, you put on amazing events and you hope that when it's time for Daniel to turn and change his promoter, maybe he comes to Sky. And, you know, it gives Sky time to see how good Daniel ends up being maybe he might win a world title and then you bring that over to Sky. So I can see the method in the madness there, but I am gutted from a purely sporting perspective. I'd like to have seen her try for gold in Paris because I think she's talented enough to do it. Ebony Jones. So here's the story about Ebony Jones. Back in 2013, they had a like a 2012 legacy kind of session. It's like a, basically a massive sports day for kids. And I remember seeing her with... Quentin Chillingford, Q, trains out of Heart of Portsmouth. And she was about 13 or 14. And the way she was ripping into those pads at that age, wow. Everyone stopped to watch this young girl smashing the life out of the pads. Like, it was something to behold. And I remember thinking then, this kid's special. And I've tracked her career since. And she's had ups and she's had downs. And obviously, she joined the military. And I think that was also good for her. But she was also in a relationship with a fellow amateur boxer that probably wasn't the best for her. So she lost herself for a couple of years. But the beautiful thing is she's only about 23 now. But she's so experienced that you imagine she hasn't lost a step. I know she's training down in Guildford with John Edwards, so congratulations to him. He's building a hell of a stable as well. But Ebony was really excited about Ebony Jones because she's in the same weight category as Shannon Courtney. I want to see that fight in the next 12 months. Because Ebony will show you what real boxing is. I think Eddie tried to sneak a lot of women in, kind of tapping into that FHM market. Ebony Jones isn't about any of that. She's about, we're, we're here to fight. 10 two-minute rounds, 52-minute rounds, it doesn't matter. So seeing those two mate will be interesting because there's not many of them around, so they have to face each other, right? Because isn't her first fight against Beck Connolly who as much as I love Beck I hope she's not there to get whipped again because I thought the whole point was she struggled to make weight so maybe this one will be happening at 122 pounds and not 118 but I just I don't I don't want to see Beck Connolly become the the whipping girl of female boxing that's just my view I care too much about the well-being of boxers, number one. Number two, rugby's taught me this. And if you don't believe me, look into some, a rugby player called Cat Merchant, I think it was Cap Merchant, who had the concussions and hasn't been right ever since. And I worry that Beck's going to take too many of these and it's going to affect her health. But also, who am I to tell her what to do or what not to do? It's her life. She can make her decisions. But no, overall, how would I assess the stable? It's a, it's a stack load of potential. There aren't many people on that list that are the real deal, but there's a load of potential and I always say you can be excited when there's potential. Now it's on to Tom Dallas to match him carefully. It's on to Johnny Wish to guide them appropriately and it's on to Ben Shalom to give them the platform to excel. Now I don't think this is it in terms of signings. I think this is the opening gambit and I think what you do here is you run a proof of concept for about six months. And you say, look, this is what it's like being on Sky. Hopefully sold out arenas, good viewing figures, you know, that cross-pollination where you can end up on a league of their own, etc. And then you start to approach the bigger names and you say, you know what you get with Sky. So I think that's probably how it will work. And I think you'll get better names a year from now. And you might see some of these guys drop off, I don't know. But don't ignore also... Wasserman Boxing have their stable to share with Sky as well. Now, I don't know how it all ties together. This is kind of where I need Steve to explain how this all ties together because what's clear is Linus is a Wasserman fighter, not necessarily a Sky fighter at the moment. So what does that mean? Does that mean that he will fight on other channels that aren't Sky? No idea. But let's, let's try and get to the bottom of this. But I'm willing to give this a chance. I'm not going to say anything negative about it. I am willing to give this a chance for any number of reasons but the chief one is this as soon as someone says eddie what do you think of what sky are doing he'll be all positive and then he'll start to tear down the names and he'll go there's no star power there they can't sell out the o2 they can't sell out wembley with that stable he'll start to to do it down as if that's not where he started with with talentless people like danny connor and so forth you know he started somewhere and then once he proved what he could deliver, what happened? People came to him. But I don't want to hear any of the her negativity. And that's why I want to be positive about this. And I want to see Ben Shalom in Boxer and Sky, Johnny Wish, Adam Smith. I want to see all of those guys succeed. Because that would give us three legitimate platforms plus Channel 5. That's income for boxers, you know. The other day I did the podcast and I was saying, you know, boxers are lazy. This is why Jake Paul's making millions. Now there are four platforms. If boxers aren't planning how to monetize their exposure on these platforms, you deserve to stay broke. If you can't find Jordan Foster anywhere, you deserve to stay broke. Even after all of this, I'm not even seeing anyone grifting off this. No one's gone, look, I'm on Boxer right now. Make sure you hit me up for some sponsorships. Make sure you hit me up for those tickets. Hit me up for anything where I can make money. That's what they should be doing now. And if you're not on that, you should be saying, look, I've just signed to Sky. I need a freelance marketer to help me blow up. But no one's thinking like that. That's the downside of all of this. But just broaden this out a bit and go, those last four or five shows that Eddie did were so bad that Sky couldn't fail with the first announcements they made. And that's not even talking about the the Oscar Valdez fight, if it's still allowed to go ahead. By the way, after the adverse findings, that's not talking about. Actually, you did anyone tell him never open up your B sample? Just get the lawyers involved and hope it goes away. And then you're talking about Shakur Stevenson versus Jamel Herring. That's a real fight. Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall. You're you're, you're talking about real fights that are happening on this platform and. I know the Fury situation is complicated because I think he's still signed to BT, so he can't come on to Sky. But the idea that you can go from watching Fury Wilder to then watching Huey Fury against Christian Hammer, I don't mind that. And meanwhile, we don't know what we're going to get on the zone. So we know we're going to go from Joshua to the, to the debut show of Boxer to Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder to Huey Fury versus Christian Hammer. Now, I know Fury versus Wilder's on another channel, but what I'm talking about is just that flow. And normally, Dazone are a big part of that discussion. It doesn't feel that way right now. It feels like there's a slow bleed with Matchroom, and And we're Hearn to leave, not Hearn, sorry, We're Joshua to leave Hearn and just side up with Sky, all of a sudden, you're looking at that stable going, I don't think he's got anything we need. Do not underestimate the crisis Eddie Hearn is in at the moment. That American adventure has shredded his reputation. The fact that those promoters could club together and shut him out comprehensively to the point where Tevin Farmer doesn't want to deal with him. Devin Haney didn't want to deal with him. Canelo told him, sit down, I'll sort out my own fight with Caleb Plant. All those times he thought he was untouchable and he realized... You get to a certain point where you make too many enemies and you can never bring it back. And I keep saying this. If you're serious about wanting a world where Hearn is not that influential, you will support this boxer thing until it becomes something we can't agree with. So October 2nd, October 16th, sit in front of a screen, get to the arena, however you want to do it. Show that support. Right, guys, take care. Hopefully i got this out in time. I'm a father, a loving father. I'm a I'm a you know I'm a semi-good husband, you know what I mean? What? You know, what I mean? I'm just a man out here trying to enjoy my I, I was born poor. I ain't never had nothing, man. I don't know how to act, all right? But the real thing is I'm just I'm just here to be me. So I don't care what uh, you, you know think what? I am or who, who, who anyone thinks I am, um, at this stage of my life, but um yeah, I'm a pretty much of a tyrant titan. Yeah, that's who I am.